We want to read our scriptures today. We have four scripture texts. Woo! Going to overwhelm you. We have two from the Old Testament, two from the New. The first Old Testament text is from Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24. Listen here to God's Word. Wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Amen. And then our second Old Testament text is from Isaiah, the 60th chapter, verses 10 through 14. If you're looking these up in your pew Bible, there's a page numbers that are listed in the bulletin. In your regular Bibles that you have, I don't know where they are, if you have a a good Bible from us, it's on page 1046, 1048. Uh, This is a word from the Lord through Isaiah that's prophetic, that views way down through the lens of history and sees some things. Listen here to God's Word. Talking about the city of God. Foreigners will build up your walls, and their kings will minister to you, For in my wrath I struck you, and in my favor I have had compassion on you. Your gates will be open continually. They will not be closed day or night, so that men may bring to you the wealth of the nations, with their kings led in procession. For the nations and the kingdoms which will not serve you will perish, and the nations will be utterly ruined. The glory of Lebanon will come to you, the juniper, the box tree, and the cypress together, to beautify the place of my sanctuary." And I shall make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those afflicted, the sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you, and all those who despised you will bow themselves at the soles of your feet. And they will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Amen. Then our first New Testament text is from the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We're going to read verses 20 through 32. So we go from that high and lofty language of Proverbs and Isaiah that's all fairly allegorical, and this is going to be quite practical, quite uh, understandable. Listen here to God's Word. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also 
has forgiven you. Amen. Then our primary text today is from Hebrews, the 13th chapter. The last chapter, we'll read the first half of it, verses 1 through 14. Up to this point in time, all of Hebrews has been concerned with sort of uh, doctrinal uh, things. And again, it's going to become all of a sudden very, very practical. Listen here to God's word. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled, for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin, those bodies are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Amen. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's word, which we've read. Heavenly Father, we are here before you because we need to be fed from your word and by the power of your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. We ask you, Lord, to loose them in our midst. And Lord, as you loose them, we pray you'll loose us. That is, open us up that we may receive, that we would not block off or hold back or push away the truth of your word. Help us to understand. Help us to embrace. Help us, Lord, to be transformed by your word. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and the Lord of all. Amen. <clears throat> Proverbs 17:24 was revelatory for me uh, early in my Christian life, within a, a year of my conversion. Uh, it says, wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Uh, I was meditating on that at my place of employment. I was the janitor of the Assembly of God Church in Lafayette, Indiana making $2 an hour. I had just graduated from college a little bit earlier and uh, worked there when I could and did other things otherwise. That's what I was doing. And they gave me a little office there with it, and I was studying that. And as I reflected on that passage, all of a sudden, again, revelatory, God opened the eyes of my heart, and I realized that what wisdom is, 
Wisdom is the realization that God, I mean God, really exists. There is God, and there is none other. That's wisdom. God and all that comes with God, what God means, and we'll talk about it a little bit here. Uh, Wisdom is in the presence of. That is, it becomes the wallpaper of one's mind. When it says in the presence of, it means it's there all the time. You, you don't walk away from it. And, and that, that you always know God is. And if, if you want to know how you should think about how God is, just memorize Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. So know that, that the wallpaper of our mind in the presence of it is that God really is and that God is for us. His people. We need to know that. It sustains us. It helps us. That's the wallpaper of our mind. Goes on and says, wisdom is in the presence of the one who what? Has understanding. What in the world is understanding? And again, what I saw in that particular moment was that understanding is living according to to God's rule. Understanding is to perceive what God says and means and to live that out in the details of your life. That's understanding, just so you know. It's, it's certainly mental comprehension, we understand that, but it's more than that, it's living it out. Under, the way understanding is used in the scriptures, it means you do it. Now, that's all contrasted with a fool, right, in that verse that we read. But uh, the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. That is, it doesn't see beyond the natural order, it doesn't see beyond the material world, it does not see God, the fool does not. What does the fool say in his heart? He doesn't always say it out loud, but the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Yeah. So those two things are contrasted. The fool is a materialist. Thinks that, you know, you got to taste it, touch it, feel it, handle it. That's what I believe in. There's no godly mindedness in a fool at all. But God wants us to be practical Christians. How does that happen? How does that come about? It happens this way. By practical, I mean to have understanding, to live it out in the day-to-day-to-day affairs of our lives. Here's how it happens. Our minds get renewed. Romans 12, 1 and 2 teaches this. Here's Romans 1. Steve's going to project it up there. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, so a couple things you need to notice about those verses. It talks about your bodies. That is this real material body that you have, which includes your your hands and your feet, but also includes your mind, your brain, your will, and all those things. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which is your spiritual service of worship. That this material stuff that you have here 
<coughs> excuse me, is meant to be used in spiritual service. Not spiritual eyes, but in spiritual service. It says, hold on, I didn't say move yet. By the mercies of God, present your bodies. So present yourself before God. Say, God, here I am. My hands, my feet, my eyes, my brain, my will, my soul before you. And I want to do a service that's acceptable in your sight. Now we'll go to verse 2. To do this, we have to understand some things are going to be required. It's going to happen as this goes on. It says, do not be conformed to this world. So that's a good thing to know. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in here somehow, in our mind, in our notions of how we, the wallpaper, we're back to 1724, Proverbs 1724, the wallpaper of our mind needs to be redone, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, demonstrate, show forth, you're to be a living example of what the will of God is, that which is good, that which is acceptable and that which is perfect. That's what we're called, (coughs) excuse me, that's what we're called to be, to live out. Quick question. When God made Adam, when God made Eve, in whose likeness did he make them? The likeness of God. God made them in his own likeness. That's what it means. We're, 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 the, the whole world has fallen, and we don't display the glory and goodness of God now in renewal. He saves us, renews us. He wants to transform us so that we can show forth the image of God as we should be by how we conduct ourselves, by how we think, by how we speak. Okay, you take that down, Steve. Now, all of this is based on regeneration. You have to experience regeneration by the Spirit of God. He must make you new because we're all born dead in our sins, right? We understand that? We must experience regeneration. That can happen in a whole variety of ways, a whole variety of times. We have people here who were uh, regenerate when they were three. We have people here who were regenerate when they were 63. And various other times, people who've experienced wonderful boom transforming things people who gradually grew into that (coughs) we're not saying there's some kind of formula where where that has to happen but it it does have to happen did you notice what the uh, fourth chapter of Ephesians that we read talked about it talked about the new self and the old self (coughs) I got a tickle in my throat We'll see if it goes away. (coughs) New self, old self. We wish the old self were done and gone, right? (coughs) Well, he's dying day by day. But he doesn't die till you die. Finally, completely. We'll all struggle to some degree or another with the old man all our lives. When I say struggle, I mean a battle, but we are victorious in Christ. And we're being changed. This is called progressive sanctification. We've talked about that for years. 
We're experiencing ongoing growth in God in terms of how we think and how we live. So how do we get our minds transformed? I'd like for us to think about the books of Hebrews and Ephesians. They show us. Both those books are remarkable because they expend over half of their bulk. In fact, Hebrews spends almost 90% of its bulk in talking about doctrinal things that that have to do with how you think about, about the wallpaper of your mind. And the first three and a half chapters till verse 17 or so of of Ephesians 4 do, do the same thing. They talk about doctrinal things. And it said, here's how you need to think. So you need to read those. It tells the grandeur and glory of God. It tells the lostness of man. <coughs> it tells the redemption, <coughs> excuse me, found in Christ and how that comes about and how that doesn't come about. We need to know those things. <coughs> we need to reprogram our minds because the whole world has programmed folks to think one way that's wrong. And we need to be, no matter what culture you're in, no matter what age you're in, the world does not know God. It's fallen. And so he <clears throat> wants us to have our minds renewed. That's why there's this, always begins with these great doctrinal truths that we need to take in, meditate on, absorb, and let them become the wisdom which is in the presence of us who have understanding. Uh, what happens is that we begin to see the city of God more clearly. We realize we're not here forever. We're all going to go and we're going to go to that city <coughs> which has foundations. Did you see what it said? The way our passage <coughs> ended, it says, For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come, and which continues on forever. The city of God. The same one it talked about in Hebrews 11 where Abraham was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. It's that one. It's the one that Isaiah talked about. It's that polis of God. We need to reflect on that reality regularly. That is, we need to reflect on the reality that there's coming a city where our true citizenship is. We don't, when we live here, we're, we're citizens, we do all the things that citizens should do, but we know that ultimately we're citizens of the city of God. You need to reflect on that. You need to understand that. Where your first loyalty lies, where your first desire goes. So the first three and a half chapters of Ephesians, the first 90% of Hebrews, deals with all that. But then, always, it'll come and boom, hammer us on practical things. It says, here's what that means. We don't call you just being Christians in your mind. We want you to walk it out in shoe leather, in relationships. Here's what, there's just five, I've got a minute for each one of these. Hooray, right? We get out of here. Uh, <clears throat> Hebrews, there's five things he talks about that we should do, practical things. It says, uh, let love of the brethren continue. We need to make sure we love one another. Yeah. Now, 
that can be hard. You don't think like I do. We actually have Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there. <laughs> Dallas Cowboy fans. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm making light of it, but you know, we, we, we have these differences, and sometimes that's in, in, in a variety of things, but, but we need to love one another. Let love of the brethren continue. Uh, build up and encourage one another, accept one another, work with one another. It'll be interesting to see how we have uh, people who are team teaching Sunday school classes this year. How will they get along? How will they do? We'll find out. We have worship, I'm looking at Daniel, we have worship teams. How will those, how will those worship teams work together? How, how, will they, how will those members get along with one another? You have small groups. How do you get along with one another? I'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> that's some of our small group people. Uh, you know, that's all a challenge for us because as you get close to people, it gets tough. Now, I'm already over a minute. Uh, this week, in Thursday, the Bucksmont Coalition for Evangelism Pastors Meeting is going to take place. You know where it's going to take place? St. Philip's Orthodox Church up here on Clearview Road. They have icons all over their church. We'd say it's idolatrous, shouldn't be there. <clears throat> We're going to meet there. We're going to have, there'll be a Lutheran fellow there. My goodness, a Lutheran. <laughs> there'll be a Mennonite or two there. Oh my goodness, the Mennonites, what's going on with them? There's some Baptists. Oh, get ready to fight. In other words, we're going to have a whole bunch of different kind of pastors there. And we're going to love on one another. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to be rubbed the wrong way by one another, but we won't care because we're going to refuse to act on that. Let love of the brethren continue. We're prone to wrangle and to be bitter. See Ephesians 4. Next thing, to hurry along. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, <clears throat> for by this some have entertained angels unawares. <clears throat> Usually people understand that to refer back to uh, uh, Genesis 18 and Abraham and the, the visitors who came there. But what it means is that we need to be hospitable. Hotels and motels make that more difficult today than back in the, the, that day. There weren't such things by and large. And so people would welcome folks in. But we need to make sure we're hospitable, that our homes are open, that we're not closed societies. The church that we partner with down in Columbia, the Church of uh, Light and Truth, has done that. Steve, do you have a picture here uh, to show some of that? There we go. That's uh, uh, two of our ladies who were down there. They're both here today. And there's a, a, a lady down there they're sharing fellowship with. Uh, she's a Venezuelan refugee. Here she comes. What's another picture we have there? Oh, that's me down there two or three weeks ago. The guy on the, the right there with the, the wife, that's Eduardo. Uh, that's his father. And then those are his children. Those are all Venezuelans who, who fled Venezuela. And guess what? The Light and Truth Church welcomed them, and they're there. He came up after the, and said, we want to thank you for remembering us. So there's another picture, isn't there, Steve? One more? 
Yeah, that's Jonathan Batista. He's been there. He's a Venezuelan refugee, but he's, he came over there. He stayed there for three years. <clears throat> he said, thank you for praying for us. And the hospitality of that church <clears throat> has given these folks a home. Thank you, Steve. That's good. Do you, do we have open homes? Good question. Number four, remember the prisoners. as the one prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves also are in the body. This talks about compassion. Oftentimes those prisoners that he's referring to here were Christian prisoners arrested because of their faith <clears throat> or were ill-treated because of their faith. Do you have compassion for people in that kind of circumstance? We should make sure that we're aware of and pray for brothers and sisters who are persecuted. We live it easily here. By the way, in our own land, there's two people I'd like for you to pray for, keep track of. David Delayden <clears throat> and Sandra Merritt. They're the ones on trial out in San Francisco. They're the ones who brought the, uh, to, to the forefront the videos that showed what Planned Parenthood is doing. You know, they're all kind of, man, they're getting all kinds of pressure against them. They're on trial. And which is a good thing if they bring all that stuff to light. Here's what the actual said. But pray for them. They've had hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines levied toward them. Prison sentences threatened for simply exposing the truth. Pray for them. Do you, do we have a heart of compassion? Okay, I'm rushing along, but we got to do it. Number four, talks about chastity, that is sexual ethics, sexual behavior. It's the hot topic of our day. You can say, well, we're going to talk about that again. Well, it's everywhere you go, you have to talk about it. Because things are changing so rapidly, you can't, you can't, can't avoid it. And it says marriage is to be held in honor. So what's the wallpaper of your mind about marriage? And what's the world trying to say? Well, you need to make sure that your mind has been renewed by the Word of God so the wallpaper of your mind understands marriage properly. Because marriage was instituted and given by God. Not by any government, not by any man, but by God. He says the marriage bed is to be undefiled. Gives two examples, two words in the Greek. Boixo, which is adultery, and porne, which is to fornicate. One is about those who violate marriage vows sexually, and the other is about those who don't, aren't involved in marriage vows but are sexually active. says, don't do that. Neither one's acceptable. The only place for sexual behavior is in the bonds, the bounds of Christian marriage, of marriage, period. That's what he says. It says, but those other folks, says God will judge. I mean, I, I think verse 4 of chapter 13 is a, a scary thing for our, our, our nation, for our people. We're thankful for God, to God for forgiveness, aren't you? We got lots of sinners out here who violated things like that. Hallelujah, the blood is still good of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's still room for one, right? Hallelujah. So let's, but we need to think rightly and behave right. He says, do this. So. Now, that may gather you, garner you some scorn and, and some uh, even prosecution and persecution in our day and age, but don't just hold this up, embrace it. Say, yes, I want to do that. 
Now you got to embrace this because Steve, what's the next? What's the? I'm going to use a verse from Ephesians 4. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Did you hear that? We read that. You give the devil an opportunity when you, you say, well, I'm not going to behave that way, but I'm going to think about it. Boy, don't let your little pea brain go that direction. Just push that out of there. Say, no, no, I'm not thinking that way. Don't, because the devil will take that opportunity and enlarge and, and do all kinds of bad things. So don't give him an opportunity even in the thoughts of your mind. Okay, thank you. And then finally it says contentment. Should be free, your life should be lived free from the love of money. Know that God is for you and provides for you. Did you hear what it said in Ephesians 4? It said, no more stealing. You're a Christian. Don't steal. Boy, there's a lot of financiers that should hear that. A lot of credit card executives that should hear that. A lot of folks around who should hear that. No more stealing. You're Christians. It says, you know what else? Instead, you should work with your own hands so that you'll have the joy of sharing with others. (laughs) Why do you work? I need to get more money. No, you need to share. That's what Ephesians 4 says. You work, you earn, so you can share. That doesn't mean you have to give it all away. You can if you want to. But you should have a goal to, you give your tithes, you give your, that's a, you should get offerings, share above and beyond. We want to have that. It's a joy to share. I hope you have joy giving to the uh, fund to help for the Bahamans down here. You know, we want to help them. We have compassion. We have means. We should give. Is this really practical to live like this? He goes on and says, remember those who led you. Considering the outcome of their life, imitate their faith. History is filled with examples of faithful people who've lived out practically these instructions. We need to read more Christian biographies that are well done. Our library has plenty of books like that. Most of us in our own lives know people who've lived that out. Someday, younger people may look at you, say there's a good example of how to live a Christian life, to live this out, and I'm going to consider the outcome of your life and live that way. You should aspire to that. The basis of all this, it says, is Jesus. Who's Jesus? Someone would ask you, who's Jesus to you? Here's your answer. Jesus is pi. P-I. Not P-I-E. He's pi. That's the the universal constant, right? Three point. We don't know. It just goes on and on. It says here, Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. We can plug him in. He's the constant in all the things of life. We should do that. We should understand that. And he doesn't change. He's still calling people to repentance. He's still able to save people from their sins. He's still able to teach people how to live for him. He's still able to keep people in his way till the day they are transferred to the church triumphant. Consequently, he says here, don't be carried away by various and strange teachings. You know, sometimes we want to have something new. I've fallen prey to that. Haven't you fallen prey to that? I want to just have something new. We've, we've sung it today. 
There's nothing new about the gospel. It's been proclaimed from the Garden of Eden till today. We need to know that. Now, what happens is we lose sight of some of the stuff of that, and God brings it to pass, brings it back to our attention again. I, here's my example. We, we've loved singing that song, uh, uh, He Will Hold Me Fast, right? He will hold me fast, he will hold me fast. Da, da, da. If you don't remember it, <clears throat> listen to it for someone else. <laughs> but it's an old hymn, and it's been redone. We say, oh, oh, that's the truth I need to know. That's good. But it's the same truth that's been true all along. So don't be carried away by strange teachings. So what about this city? Here's our vision. This goes back to Isaiah 40. That's why we read the Isaiah 40 passage. Let me turn there. Isaiah 60, rather. Here's our vision of that city. We're looking for the city which has foundations, the one that Abraham was looking for. Our vision is this, God wins. <laughs> Isn't that true? God wins. When all is said and done, God wins. Listen to what it says here. Even the sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you, not to you and me, but to the Lord, to his people, the city of God. <clears throat> and they will call you the city of the Lord. We have the inestimable privilege of being part of the people, the city of God. That's, so our vision, wisdom, is in the presence of the one who has understanding. Our vision, the wallpaper of our mind, is God is, and He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. And our prayer, what this sermon is about is, God, grant us the vision to see and to see clearly who you are. Amen.